0: The past few years have been difficult for many. COVID-19 and the disruption it's caused has changed our lives. We've watched inflation sap our hard-earned wages and political unrest has ravaged many countries. The left-wing agenda has changed everything we have grown up to believe. What is a man? What is a woman? What What does a family look like? What, What bathroom should I use? These used to be such simple questions, but that's no longer the case. And as wave after wave of COVID crashes uh, upon our shores, we wonder when some super variant is going to come and like a devastating tsunami and devastate uh, whole populations. We find ourselves no longer sure what we are to believe from our news reports, and it seems that uh, it's more important to push a particular agenda than it is to report objective facts. And beyond these cultural changes are the personal struggles we face each and every day. And in the church where where I've been working, we have uh, been seeing so many people struggling with, with cancer and uh, Illness of one kind or another. We we've grieved over the youth in our families who have been overcome by addictions. We've we've watched young families break up and at leaving children caught in in the middle. And, and who among us has not experienced even in ourselves some form of anxiety or pain or confusion in these days? And sometimes these things are heavy weights burdening our hearts and leaving us perplexed and we're left wondering why things have to be so difficult. And it's in this context that I'd like to consider the words of Simon Peter as found in John chapter 6 verses 66 to 69. Listen to the words of John chapter 6 verse 66 to 69. After this, many of his disciples turned back, no longer walking with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One, Now, notice what verse 66 tells us. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Now, we don't have the time to examine the full context of this, but the words after this show us that something had happened and there was a certain set of circumstances that had forced this decision on the part of those who walked away. And in this case, these individuals concerned had asked Jesus to give them a sign. They were hungry and needed food to eat, but Jesus did not give them that food. Instead, he spoke to them about how he was the bread of life and that those who came to him would never again be hungry. And those who had heard that message were, were disappointed with, with his response. They, they wanted their bellies filled and, and not a sermon. As Jesus talked, the sound of their bellies growling seemed to drown out the sound of his voice. And they had physical needs that were not being met, and Jesus didn't rush to do what they felt he needed to do for them, and and this frustrated them. Now, prior to this, Jesus had used a young boy's lunch to feed over 5,000 of them. But now, and so they knew what he was capable of doing. But this time, when their stomachs were cramping up with hunger, Jesus has the audacity to say to them in, in John chapter 6 and, and verse 26, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Now, now Jesus says this, two things here. And and first, he he exposes the motives of those who are coming to him for uh, for this sign, he says this truly truly I say to you you are seeking me not because you saw signs but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus saw the motivation of those present. All he was to them was was a a free meal he he would heal their sick he would fix all their problems and, and and they would never have to suffer again they they would they would have everything they wanted in life and whenever they had a need they could offer up a quick prayer and and Jesus would come running to meet that need that's what they they wanted that's what they anticipated. That's why they came to Jesus. And Jesus recognized that that they were only concerned about their belly and the food that they were going to eat. But secondly, in those words, Jesus challenges those who are coming to him to get their eyes off their worldly appetites and to set them on him as the one upon whom God had set his seal. Do not work, he says, for the food that perishes. Don't live for those things, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Our immediate need can blind us to what is more important. There's, there is something more important than your empty stomach, Jesus tells them in this occasion. And, and there before them was the, the the one person God had chosen to give them eternal life. And all these people could think about was their bellies. As these individuals listened to Jesus that day, this is not what they wanted to hear. They wanted to, they didn't want to hear a sermon about eternal life. They were hungry and that's all that mattered to them. And then and there, when Jesus began to preach a sermon instead of filling their bellies, they made up their minds. And in John 6 and verse 66, they tell, it says this, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. A Messiah who who didn't satisfy every fleshly desire they had was not worth serving for them. They they were not interested in anything beyond the the immediate needs of their their flesh. Now speaking in Mark chapter 8, Jesus says this, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Mark chapter 8 verses 36 and 37. And what have I gained if, if I have the whole world only to lose it and spend an eternity separated from God? You may not like to hear this. But there is something far more important than our fleshly appetites or the wellness of our temporary bodies, and that is the state of our eternal soul. And the words of Jesus still ring true today. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Will we invest our resources into a world that perishes? Will we save our toe only to lose our leg? And Jesus says before the crowd that day, the food that perishes and the food that endures to eternal life. And what will be our priority? I know that the passion for our comfort, our ease, our health, and the good things of life is is incredibly strong in us. But as the crowd stood before Jesus that day, they discovered that these things were, were, were not as as much Jesus' passion for them as it was theirs for themselves. And he had a much higher purpose for them. But they they just couldn't see past the fact that they hadn't had breakfast that morning. And that is when they turned their backs on him and they walked away. And as Jesus watched that crowd dissipate that day, I'm sure with grief in his heart, He turned to his 12 disciples and he asked them an all-important question. Do you want to go away as well, he asked. Will you live only for this world and the satisfaction of your flesh? Will you abandon me if I don't give you everything you want? Will you turn your backs on me when things are not going as you would like them to go? Will you walk away when things get difficult and confusing? And it was Peter who responded in words that have have echoed through the generations uh, since. And he says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Those words of Peter are so powerful. Lord, to whom, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and you are the Holy One. This Jesus offered them eternal life. And, and is there anyone who could care for us more than the, the Holy One uh, of God? Is there anyone that we can trust more than the Holy One of God? Is there anyone who has our best interest at heart more than him? And as Peter answered the Lord's question at the day he declared him to be the only one they could trust with their lives, if there was anyone who could give them victory, it was him. If there was anyone who could answer the confusion of their hearts, it was him. And there was no better place to be than under his care and his blessing. A number of years ago, I was leading a Bible study on the island of Reunion in the Indian Ocean. And one of the ladies in that meeting shared with us how she had a conversation that week with another person in the, in the town where, where she was living, and this individual told her as conversation turned to religious and spiritual matters, this, this individual told her that, that she refused to believe in a Jesus who would not perform miracles. And as the lady in the Bible study was sharing, she told us how she reflected on those words that she had heard. And, and as she shared with us, she said, I've come to the conclusion that I will believe in Jesus, whether he performs a miracle for me or not, I will believe in him. And those words have, have stuck with me years and years later. Now I don't want to minimize the pain you are going through or, or right now and I have sat beside the bed, the hospital beds of many suffering believers and felt their pain, and I too wish that I could somehow reach out and just take that pain and, and confusion away from them. And I don't have answers for them. All I can do is, like Peter, point them to the Lord Jesus, who alone has the words of eternal life, who alone is the Holy One of God. I can't pretend to understand his ways, but like Peter, I... Ask the question, to whom shall we go if it is not to the Holy One of God who has eternal life? And I realize like the crowd, our stomachs are growling with hunger and our bodies are racked with pain and suffering and our minds are confused. And it's true that Jesus did not feed the crowd that day, nor did he give them a sign they wanted. They came looking for a loaf of bread, and Jesus offered them eternal life instead, but they walked away. And I wonder what the conversation was like as those people walked away from Jesus that day. Why didn't he just give us something to eat? What, what kind of God doesn't care about our, our hunger? Yet all the while, Jesus understood more than them. Their greatest need was not for breakfast, but for eternal life and salvation and intimacy with him and and forgiveness from the sin that separated them from God. I don't know what God's doing in your life today. I don't have an answer for the confusion and chaos. I I can't pretend to know why you are suffering. All I can do is point you to the one who has the answer. All I can do is tell you that there is a holy one of God in whom there is no sin nor deceitfulness. He is the one who has the words of eternal life, of pardon and of hope. And to whom else can we go? And if he's not giving you breakfast this morning, it's because he has a more pressing need. If he's not filling your stomach, it's because your soul needs filling more than your stomach. And he knows what you need. And confusion and chaos rages around us, and pains and afflictions strike our body, and like the crowd we stand before the Holy One of God. And if if only we would stop focusing on our stomach for a moment and listen to what He has to say, how He would satisfy an even greater need. In a world filled with confusion and pain and disruption and sickness and disease, to whom else shall we go? He alone has the words of eternal life, and he alone is the Holy One of God.